had doctors, we had we had store owners of all kinds. So I, I grew up in an area and a time that I could see black men owning businesses mm-hmm. and 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 to see that type of black leadership and black role models. Mm-hmm. Mental discipline, you learn to always remain calm and be able to see the big picture. Mm-hmm. And and Ferg was was known as a defensive fighter. Mm-hmm. So we're always ready. Actually, I just was inducted into the Cleveland Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Really? Like three weeks ago. Excellent. He was Jordan, and we were the Bulls. Right, I got But you. at least I was Scotty Pippen. <laughs> and, that's, that's, uh, I mean, no doubt about it. Yeah. I always tell people, yeah. no, there is nobody in Cleveland hip-hop before me. Right. It might be people with me. Right. But but nobody um, before, before me. Ladies and gentlemen, you're rocking with a goat. Ken Dow giving you motivation for growth. Two toes down, he keep it realer than most. He do it for the culture, that's always the goal. This is Strategic Moves with Ken Dow. This is Strategic Moves with Ken Dow. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? You tuned in to another episode of Strategic Moves. I'm your host, Ken Dow. This is a place where we bring art, culture, politics, and business all together, and we do it every Sunday right here on this channel. But when I'm not shooting this podcast, I am the owner of Strategic Resources, where we specialize in political campaigns, government, and public relations. I've been doing it for over 20 years right here in the city of Cleveland and met some amazing people along the way. And I want to make your next move a strategic move. So this program gives me an opportunity to do just that. Introduce you to some of those people. We share some of our experience with you. And maybe you'll get something that'll help you in your business or in your personal life. But today, I got a gentleman on the show. As you see, I'm dressed in my Run DMC attire and I got my hat on, my chain, because I got a gentleman here today who is a legend in Cleveland. Cleveland hip hop, one of Cleveland's very first hip hop artists, as everybody knows, and that goes back because we originated hip hop, our generation. I always take credit for that, our generation was the one. Now this gentleman here, I'm gonna read off some of his stuff because I like to do this, because this gentleman has been a DJ and an MC in his town. He has worked with artists like Run DMC, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, Fat Boys, Houdini, Lisa Lisa, Jam, LL Cool J, Kid and Play, Curtis Blow, Grandmaster, and the Furious Five. So everybody, I would like for you to welcome none other than Kevin MC Hurd Chill in the place to be tonight, bro. MC Chill. Talk to me, Cleveland. Talk to me, man. Listen to that crowd, man. Everybody came here to hear from you today, man. So thanks for coming on our program today, man. Thanks we for really having me, brother. That, it is my honor and privilege to be here with you. You know, I, I, I'm really glad that you took the time to come in and talk with us today, you know, because I do pride our generation of being one of the generations that was one of the founders of hip-hop music when it first got going. No doubt. Um, I was sitting here and, you know, I got old as we all and got older in this thing. And they said, well, MC Chill coming on. And I knew the name and everything. Everybody, oh, yeah. We... So I had to go back and start trying to find him and pull it up into the music. And when I got a chance to go back and listen to the music and got going, it flashed me back to the original when it got going, um, when hip hop was going. And it was the DJ. 
you know, and, and, and I remember the house parties and going to the house parties and stuff and listening to your music and the scratching and all the beats and stuff that was leading up to it. And, and before MCing was MCing, right. it was the DJ, man, that really rocked the parties, man, the house parties and everything of that nature and being able to keep the mood going and that kind of thing, man. So I wanted to tell you, man, that truly you are one of the originators in that in your music and um want to thank you again for coming on the show man well i, I appreciate it man and tap into what you were saying for sure uh the dj in hip-hop mm -hmm. is is the drummer mm -hmm. in traditional african history he is he is the drummer he creates the beat mm -hmm. he's the straw that stirs the drink that became hip-hop there's no secret that the the person given credit of being the father of hip-hop is a dj dj cool herc Mm -hmm. And as we celebrate celebrate 50 years of hip-hop, mm -hmm. it goes back to Herc. It goes back to the DJs, Flash, Herc, Bambada. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that you are 100% correct. It started with the DJ. It started with the DJ. So, man, I want again, thanks for coming on. We're going to go back. We do our little thing in Cleveland, man, because we are Cleveland. We always got to rep the neighborhood and community we from. So, Chill, you got to tell us, man, what neighborhood you grew up in and where you come from, man. You got to hey, give man. us the background story. I, you I, can't I, be the legend and don't tell us where you I from, I make man. it no secret I'm a Lee Harvard representative. Oh, Lee, Lee Harvard, Harvard stand Lee Harvard, up Lee. Listen, all day long. We, we gonna, just because he's the legend in our community, we got to give him that horn. Shout out to Lee Harvard community. Stand up. But I will tell you that uh, I grew up off St. Clair, that I grew up off uh, uh, 93rd and St. Clair. Oh, well, there it is. And, there it is. Uh, but there I was, it is. I was raised is. in I was raised. I'll take that from my beginnings, but I was I was raised. I came up. In, in Lee Harvard. But, yeah, it, it started off it started on the Claire. All right, so it started off on the Claire. So when were you on the Claire? What years you grew up over there? Oh, man, I, I grew up on the Claire from the time I was born to mm -hmm. the time I was four years old. Really? And then we moved uh, mm -hmm. to Lee Harvard. Mm -hmm. And uh, so all my formative years mm -hmm. from, from kindergarten mm -hmm. to graduating from the mighty John F. Oh, Kennedy, mighty fly, fighting eagles. <laughs> so from kindergarten to college, uh -huh. Kennedy is like a college because it's on okay. the campus of Harvard. Uh -huh. But it's, it's Lee and Harvard. Lee and Harvard. So, yeah. yeah, so. yeah that, what campus is that? Campus of Harvard. <laughs> campus of Harvard. <laughs> Lee, and Lee and Harvard. Harvard. All right, school of hard knocks. That's right. All day long. <laughs> All day long. So, man, how was the community growing up back in those days, man, in that neighborhood? Uh, man, I tell anybody, man, growing up in Lee Harvard was like an oasis, especially mm -hmm. for a young mm -hmm. black child to see. Those are the days when you got to see black ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, we had dentists, Dr. Mm -hmm. Gresham. Uh, mm -hmm. We had my father was the uh, manager of a loan, beneficial loan and finance, one of the first black managers that they ever had. Mm -hmm. uh, we had doctors. We had we had store owners of all kinds. So I, I grew up in an area and a time that I could see black men owning businesses mm -hmm. and, and, and to see that type of black leadership and black role models mm -hmm. uh, was, you know, an integral part of my life mm -hmm. and, and my, my future thinking of what I could do and what I could be. So, so in school and growing up, was you into music? In music as much as anybody else, going to the party and listening to, you know, we was down with the funk, right. the funkadelics during right. that time, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, heavy R&B. You know, I was into music as much as everybody else, and, mm -hmm. and we'll get into, 
you know, as a, in my early, from like 12 years old, 13 years old, mm -hmm. I got into martial arts. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, music was always in my house. My father had an incredible mm -hmm. uh, album collection. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I was into the music just at, in, in a general sense. Uh -huh. uh, but I was always digging the beats and the flows and the rhymes. So, so we were going to get there because we talked about that Lee Harvard area and, and one of my good friends of mine who now passed on, um, Ken Ferguson, and we talk about him a lot, and he uh, had another guest on my program, Daryl Sullins, also, who a part of that, and that was something I didn't know um, in doing your, um, my little research on you, that, that you were, and you were heavily involved in martial arts, and you nationally got some acclaim in martial arts. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I, had, already, I had started martial arts uh, probably officially at the time I was like 10, 11 mm -hmm. years old. My cousin got me started it by initially showing me some stuff that he had learned, but he was really kind of flipping me and punching mm -hmm. me and beating me up. <laughs> and uh, so I started taking uh, mm -hmm. formal training mm -hmm. myself and actually started in the Lee Harvard area uh, studying the, the style Goju Ru okay. uh, right off of Lee Road. And uh, as fate would have it, uh, somebody in invited me in to the John F. Kennedy Recreation Center okay. uh, where I met Ken Ferguson at mm -hmm. the time, 1975. Mm -hmm. okay. He had just made the United States karate team. Uh, he was the, the young Ferg with the big giant afro. <laughs> right, right. And uh, so I was already a green belt and had won tournaments at the time. But okay. I, I walked in to the rec center. And uh, we have this infamous thing that you you get down with Ferg, you got to go through the gauntlet. You can you can talk to Daryl Sullins, he'll tell you the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You walk in off the off the street or from another karate school, you got to do the gauntlet, and that's you spar with every Everybody. single yeah. person. And the people get better and better mm -hmm. as you go through it. And at the end, you got to fight Ferg. <laughs> And not only are you already tired, right, right? Oh, so you're doing this all in one day? All, all one day. Oh, okay. So I, I fought, I fought Daryl Sullins in that same gauntlet. That was okay. the, that might have. I'd met him before, uh -huh. uh, and I knew he was a martial artist, and he knew I was a martial artist. All right. And uh, and he was probably the person right before you get to Ferg. Wow. Okay. So okay. you know, you 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 start with the with with the scrubs, <laughs> right? You know, I beat them down, <laughs> and I got to the middle cast. I'm like, these guys are good. Okay. And I get to my my guys that are my lifelong friends, mm -hmm. uh, Gino McCulley, mm -hmm. uh, who also is a national champion. And then mm -hmm. I fought Sullins, mm -hmm. and then I fought Ferg. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, Ferg beat the brakes off of me. <laughs> but I already, I already knew. I read about right. it in the magazines, and it was easy an easy decision mm -hmm. at that point to uh, to join that that team and that squad and. And all those brothers, Daryl Daryl uh, Sullins, Gino McCulley, mm -hmm. uh, Keith Collins, Melvin Brown. We are, we've been lifelong friends since like the age of 14. We grew mm -hmm. up together in the martial arts. So well, tell me some of the uh, lifelong lessons you think you got out of taking martial arts, man, that you think that you learned now that you didn't got older that you real still, as you say, I'm still pulling. Well, mental discipline, you learn to always remain calm and be able to see the big picture. Mm -hmm. And, and Ferg was, was known as a defensive fighter. Mm -hmm. So we, we're always ready for the defensive move. Uh, we can take somebody's power mm -hmm. or distribute uh, another thought or idea mm -hmm. and kind of shape it and mold it to our advantage. Mm -hmm. 
But I'll tell you another thing about Ferg, and, and I'm sure Daryl, anybody else would, would tell you this. He was way more than a karate instructor to right. us. Right. Man, he, he was a role model. He was a big brother. Uh, I would say he was a father figure, but I, you know, I, I, would, I, I grew up with a father, mm -hmm. an excellent dad mm -hmm. uh, in my life. But Ken, Ken taught us how to drive cars. Man, everybody's first experience <laughs> with driving a car was with Ferg. Sometimes he didn't actually teach you how to drive you, the car. Oh, I, I, could, I, I can just Sometimes imagine. he would just get, get out, out the, the car, car. And, and, and go do something else. And right. he'd say, get the car get the back car. to the right. place. And exactly. we'd be like, who going to drive? Exactly. And uh, I can tell he was that way. So yeah. he, you know, you, you got a lot of life experiences yeah. Yeah. by being around Ferg. So, and he kept us out of trouble mm -hmm. at a time where we normally would have been in trouble, but we're in, we're in the martial arts. We're going to tournaments all over the country mm -hmm. and it definitely shaped my competitive spirit greatly. And it, it, you know, it makes you feel that there's no obstacle that you can't overcome. And I, uh, he, I attribute that to he, he was always a good dude. I met him years and years later after you guys and uh, just been always genuine. So I, I started this list of, of favorite people, I call them. And I put him, he was the first person when I started a list. I said, I'm going to start a list of favorite people. And he was the first person on my list. So he's always been a good man, Great dude, man. You know, I think about Ferg all the time. I, I talk about him all the time. I always relate to things that I, that I learned from, from dealing with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, he's an unforgettable person in my life. Have you ever had to whip that out and kick somebody's ass because they was messing with you, man. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. <laughs> you know, really had to break out uh, the martial the, arts. The, like, the, dude, the, you gonna make me break out my green belt. The, 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 <laughs> the, the, the law doesn't exactly uh, enable me to, to talk about some of the beatdowns I had to deliver out on the street, uh -huh. but I have had a few times where I had uh -huh. to, to dish out a, a beatdown here and there. I understand. So how did you, let's go through that because I want to end your career. How did your career in martial arts end? You kind of went on, you did some tournaments. Or, uh, and how did you, uh, how did you progress in that? Currently, I actually, I just was inducted into the Cleveland Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Really? Like three weeks ago. Excellent. And I joined the rest of my crew. The rest of your crew, uh, right. Okay. Who, who got inducted the year before. Okay. Which I was supposed to get inducted with them. <laughs> I was just late getting in my information, okay. which made me the first person with the information mm -hmm. in this, this year. year. So you 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 not amongst them. You probably among yourself now. That's so right. You get to stand out. Yeah. Okay. Although we've been inducted, we were we were all inducted together. Okay. Uh, along with Ken, mm -hmm. uh, in the United States Karate Federation Hall of Fame in 2015. Okay. And uh, Ferg was was inducted as an instructor because. Mm -hmm. You can't have five students inducted right. uh, at right. the same time mm -hmm. and not be, you know, recognized as the instructor. <laughs> you had to do something. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so the crew, we were all inducted into the United States Karate Federation Hall of Fame at the same time. But I went solo mm -hmm. uh, this time for the Cleveland Martial Arts Hall of Fame. But I'm a third, three, six degree black belt, uh, really? three time national, three time national AAU karate champion, mm -hmm. fought all over the world. Uh, qualified for United States uh, team trials. Okay. And taught for Ferg for many, many, many years. You can't, if, if Kim Ferguson had a karate school mm -hmm. or students, somewhere along the line, you were going to be teaching. Right. So right. I, I taught many, many years, even up until the time I taught my own children mm -hmm. uh, at Ferg Studio. So okay. I continued to teach, and we are always uh, talking like Daryl gives seminars still, and uh, but in some form or fashion. I've never left the martial arts 
and I continue uh, to teach and and add some knowledge and background to other students mm -hmm. and schools that are around. Uh, on on Sullen's video, he um, got um, he is a video of him breaking. I think about six bricks or with so with his foot. With his foot, man, that, I, that, I know exactly where that was at. But yeah, yeah that's uh, and, and the funny thing, Ferg, because you might see footage of Ferg breaking uh -huh. about six, seven, eight bricks uh, with his hand while wearing a, a three-piece suit. Really? Uh, so that was always cracked me up. Ferg would just show up and break bricks. Really? No matter what. Mm. He'd be, you know, dressed clean. And break bricks. Breaking bricks. You, you didn't really want to mess with Ferg. Really? That stuff is real like that. Break hey, a man. brick. You can break, Six you bricks? break bricks. You can break bricks. You can bust somebody up. If you have the power and accuracy <laughs> to, to put your hand through some bricks, you don't, you don't want that person to bust you upside the head. Mm. Trust me on that. So do you, how, how, how do you think um, what's going on with the USC and MMA, do you think there was, they kind of took the karate stuff to another level, would you say? Well, I say it's a different level. And I, and I, and I love watching uh, MMA, especially UFC. Mm -hmm. I have my favorite fighters. Mm -hmm. Uh, I rock with John Bones Jones. He's mm -hmm. an incredible right, right. martial artist. Right. But I see UFC, MMA as a necessary progression mm. of the arts and its application. Mm -hmm. uh, but I see traditional martial arts more of a study of history and discipline. Mm. Uh, so I think they both have their lanes. They have their lanes. Right. I got you. I got you. So let's go on and talk a little bit about this hip hop thing, man. So you were doing martial arts, like you say, since you were 10. So that meant through high school. When did you decide, I want to really, I know the music, we always doing it. And, and at some point, uh, was you DJing first or you ended up just straight up MCing? I started in hip hop the same time that everybody else outside of New York City heard mm -hmm. hip hop. Uh -huh. uh, in 1979, the Sugar Hill Gang uh, released Rapper's Delight. Correct. And for most non-New Yorkers, that's the first time that they ever heard of mm -hmm. anything like that. Correct. And I was no different. Mm -hmm. And by the time I had heard my second song, maybe Curtis Blow, mm -hmm. came out with Christmas rapping yeah. not too long after <laughs> right. that. The sequence followed up with, mm -hmm. with like Funk You Right On Up or right. something like that. Right. By then, I had already started breaking rhymes down. Mm. And uh, I had already went down to the club, grabbed the mic, and uh, start dropping bars. Mm. And I met up with uh, another freshman at Kent State University, DJ Cochise. Anyway. We, we started together right. in hip hop. So right. we started, right. we basically started Cleveland sure hip hop. Enough. No, that, that word is bond on that, yes. That's, and that's, uh, I mean, no doubt about it. And yeah. I always tell people, yeah. no, there is nobody in Cleveland hip hop before me. Right. It might be people with me. Right. But but nobody right. before, before me. You. Right. Because if your name's not Cochise mm -hmm. or DJ Johnny O, right. then you're not you, you can't possibly be before right. me in the city. Right. And uh, so Cochise and I formed a rap group back then called the Bomb Squad. Mm -hmm. One of the first rap groups in Cleveland. We did radio, mm -hmm. uh, WDMT. Every, and I tell anybody, the hip hop as a citywide movement mm -hmm. uh, started at the club style show at right. WDMT FM 108. That was like the right. incubator right. for right. citywide Cleveland hip hop, gave birth mm -hmm. to all of us. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the road started for me mm -hmm. uh, as one of Cleveland's uh, first first MC. I call myself Cleveland's first MC. Right. Because right. everybody else was DJs. That's correct. So, That's what we was talking about. And correct. again, so mm -hmm. I don't, there is no body 
rapping on record, not record, not recording, and, just out here rapping, known rapping before me. Before you. And because we talked about the DJs, and that's why when you mentioned Cochise, Johnny O, that's what you're right, because they were the ones who was doing the parties. That's right. And the MCs just shows up and raps. Correct. But who, who gets paid the money? The DJ, because <laughs> they got the records. Back they have the equipment. Days. Right. Right. Yeah. They exactly. had the record. They had the equipment. Exactly. They the ones that got paid to do the parties. We just right. showed up and, and, and got on the mic. And got on the mic. So, but, you know, so it's funny how things change. Hey, how things change. And people came to see the DJ. Came to see the DJ. And, those, and Cleveland, man, had at that time, you know, before, I, I tell people, Coach Chiefs was the first known Cleveland Hip-hop DJ. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. But before that, you got, like, the the G's, like, rest in peace, Preacher Man. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bud McFarlane. Right. That's the, I tell mm -hmm. Bud, he is the great grandmaster mm -hmm. of hip-hop DJs. Right. Bud wasn't a, a hip-hop DJ himself, but he gave birth to what later became mm -hmm. hip-hop DJ. So mm -hmm. any hip-hop DJs needs to pay honor uh, to Bud McFarlane. That's correct. Bud was been around a long time too, and it was another one. It was a psychotic nut. Psychotic nut. Terry King, my brother. Yeah. Terry King Bay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and Terry had all the gadgets. He had smoke and <laughs> yeah. lights. He had a van with a you head know, on the top of it. And all he this might didn't do all of the all of the DJ <laughs> tricks. Right. Because right. certainly Bud, as far as blending records right. together, right. the absolute best may right. still be the best. Right. But Terry brought the show. Yeah. Terry King brought the psychotic yeah. nut. Brought the show him. to. Yeah. Me. I, I, I was young then, and it, when he used to pull up um, at those festivals, the Glenville festivals and stuff, man, and just you'd see his van and all. He was just an interesting guy back then, and everything was kind of music back then was just really taking off. And those festivals, I, I probably first time really rocking in front of an outdoor crowd at the Glenville Festival. Mm -hmm. I was already like the probably the most known rapper in the city okay. without a record. Uh, mm -hmm. no, no one had records back then. Okay. And uh, and I give credit to cats like another another king that we lost, Silver B. Oh, yeah. I oh, give yeah. credit to Silver B oh, because yeah. he was hosting festivals at a time mm -hmm. where people were moving away from hip-hop, trying mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. separate themselves from hip-hop because they didn't really know what yeah, it was exactly, going to be. Exactly. And, and B was gravitating. He was yeah. bringing yeah. hip-hop to the public, Correct. to politics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, anytime you see him, he'd be tomorrow. Yes, I'm uh, the head of the <laughs> Lou Stokes Brigade of right. <laughs> 21st Conditional <laughs> Caucus. Right. And but B made that oh, yeah. connection between hip hop yeah. and and the community right. to be accepted mm -hmm. uh, as, as an art form Correct. that's also connected to politics. So yeah, one of my first times rocking in front of a Outdoor crowd is when Silver B brought me from the audience. Mm -hmm. Well, we have MC Chill in the house. Mm -hmm. Chill, come up and say some rhymes. And you know, I come mm -hmm. up, I rock, and they're like, right. yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, big ups to those guys. But those were good days, man. Glenville Fest mm -hmm. kind of gave a lot of people their starts in music. You know, I got uh, doing another show with uh, Joe Little. Joe X in effects. Yeah, he's coming on. So that I, that's going to be another one because I, I I met him the first time during the, when he first sung with the Rude Boys at the festival as well. Oh, so, Joe Little. I thought you were talking about Joe Still. Oh no, no Joe, Joe Little. Little. Oh yeah, that's my man. Yeah, oh Joe man, out. Joe out here still doing yeah, it, man. I just saw it. Joe yeah. in in London. Yeah, or something. That's what I'm saying. He's coming on like tomorrow. Man, yeah. that's my man. Tell yeah. Joe I said what's yeah, up. And I I was just like wow. I mean. 
Man, Latif was just talking about like, man, to be able to do a song almost thirty years ago and still. And let me tell you, <laughs> and, and and written all over your face it's, is such an iconic song, right? That y'all don't even have to sing the song. Right. Oh, then we were saying that too. It's just like stick the mic stick out. The mic out. <laughs> and man, you know that's that. You know your song is powerful. Oh, it's powerful. When the crowd just does the oh, work. Yeah. For oh yeah. Man, MC Chill Flashy back when the DJ was king. Remember those days? That's when hip hop first got started. But we're going to take a break in that conversation to give you an opportunity right now to hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and the notification bell as well so that you'll know the next time one of our programs coming out. Now, let's get back to MC Chill. And, and we go, you're going to send me all the way to the UK to do the same thing? I mean, do the same thing. Because I was like, really? And they showed the crowd. They were singing the song yeah. just like they were here. I was like, hey. And you know what was really tripped me out on that? It was a lot of black folks. And did you see the Oh yeah, Caribbean? I saw I saw the clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, man, it was yeah. it was a lot of black folks there. Yeah, it's a lot of R and B lovers. I probably still have my largest contingency of fans in the UK. Mm. I I dropped a song, I came out of retirement and dropped a song not, not that long ago, uh mm. probably like twenty-five years after I had stopped commercially rapping and did a song twenty-five years later called Still Chill. And it went to number one on the UK electro charts. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, you know, and, and I and I have a big movement in the UK. So we're we're planning to go out there okay. and do some shows as well. So let's talk about this hip hop thing a little bit because you you did get a chance to work back then. Some of the artists I named, as you see, Run DMC, those were our guys coming in and all that. How did you hook up with that? How did you get a chance to work on some of those shows and get involved? Like, that? well, it really all got started because I got a, a record deal with an iconic label in the South Bronx mm -hmm. where hip hop started. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a club, The Fever. Okay. And it started out the disco fever, mm -hmm. and then it changed over into a hip-hop club. And okay. it became probably the most known hip-hop club of the early days. So mm -hmm. Grandmaster Flash, Curtis Blow, uh, Love Buzz Starsky, okay. all, you know, either worked in the fever mm -hmm. or were regulars at that club. Okay. So much so that when they made the movie Crush Groove, it takes that. place at the fever. Okay. So the fever started its own record label. Really? Fever Records. Mm -hmm. And up until me, I'm sure not only was everybody on the record label from New York, mm -hmm. but most specifically, they were probably all from the South Bronx, okay. where hip-hop started. Right. And, and and until they signed mm -hmm. a kid from Cleveland. Wow. Uh, they kind of broke the mold. Mm -hmm. uh, probably no distinct New York label had ever had a non-New York artist mm -hmm. on it until really? me. So because of my connection to the fever, the fat boys were discovered at the fever. Mm -hmm. Houdini was discovered by Mr. Magic, who discovered right. me, which is why they named themselves Houdini. So how did you meet Mr. Magic? Mr. Magic was in Cleveland with Roxanne Shante, getting ready to wow. do 14-year-old Roxanne right. Shante, just coming out, probably doing some in-stores, and she was going to be at the skating rink. Mike Chapman, who mm -hmm. ended up being my producer, mm -hmm. who was working at WDMT, said, chill, I'm, I'm going to pick up Mr. Magic from the, from the airport. You want to ride with me? Mm. Sure, of course I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went to pick him up. He put in my demo. <laughs> Magic hears it and was like, "Who? who's that? Mr. Magic basically invented the hip-hop radio show wow. at WBLS in New York, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Magic's Rap Attack. Uh, yeah. One of the first right. known very first known. radio rap shows ever Yes, on a, on a major FM station. Exactly, exactly. So he's like, I've, I've heard everybody. You're like, who is this? 
And Mike is like, oh, that's chill. It's like, oh, that's you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, who who produced it? I point back up. Mike's driving. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Mike. He's like, oh, I see I how y'all I see how y'all did this. Almost kidnapped me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he said, Can I can I get this? The long story short, can I get the demo? Yeah. We gave him the demo. I get a call a couple of weeks later asking, did I want to be on Fever Records? Hmm. At that time, Crush Groove is a just about to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know, but I, I knew the label from the legendary Love Bug Starsky. People know his name now because mm-hmm. he gets that shout out right. in that Biggie song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some Love Bug Starsky, yeah, as right. well as Mr. Magic. Right. Mr. Magic, Molly Mall. But Love Bug, he, he started all of them, though, right? Well, Salt and Pepper well, and all start, that. Right? No, that's Herbie, Herbie, Herbie Love Bug. Bug. Right? Herbie was the producer. Right. And, and I actually met Herbie the same time I met Dana Dane at the Fever. I, I hooked up, well, excuse me, at the Apollo Theater. Okay. Uh, so I, you did the Apollo? I, I was at the Apollo. We were, had to decide whether they were going to use it, was between myself. Dana Dane mm. and Salt and Pepper, Ooh. and at the time they weren't even called Salt and Pepper. That's how early it was. They, really? they were called uh, Supernature. Up getting that shot. All right. And that was the first time I met Dana. First mm-hmm. time I met uh, Sandy and Cheryl, and first time I met Herbie. That's the first time that Dana met Herbie Lovebug that same day at the Apollo. I always wondered this, and I guess since you met the guy. Was he from England or something? He had such a kind of unique kind of way he talked. Uh, Dana may or have. Or that he, was his stick. He may have some, I think he may have some Jamaican. It was So it was more of a Jamaican thing? But now, obviously, his boy uh, was my man. You know the guy with that thing on his eye? Uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, oh, Slick. Slick Rick. Yeah. I think Slick Rick was, was he definitely was from out of the country. Okay. And I think his, his tonality was a little bit more pronounced than Dana's. But okay. they all had a group together. Mm. Uh, Dana Dane, Slick Rick, and this yeah. other brother. They was called the Kango Crew. That was mm-hmm. early in the mm. days. Mm. And uh, But yeah, but I met all of them same time at the Apollo. And, and me and Dana have been friends ever since then. I, I talked to Dana mm-hmm. semi-regularly. But it was because of the fever that I did most of my initial shows mm-hmm. in New York City. With okay. New York artists. Okay. And uh, my first professional show was at The Fever, who's probably seen every rap artist to that date. So they're, they're not easily impressed. Okay. They're known to boo people mm-hmm. and throw people off the stage. Mm-hmm. At The Fever. At The Fever. Okay. Because you, you could not come and rock The Fever and because mm-hmm. and, they will they will run you out of there. Okay. And uh, and you run out. You on Jerome Avenue in the South Bronx. That ain't a place that's been standing around like, uh, what I'm going to do? Right. <laughs> People get killed outside the fever. Sometimes inside the fever. No, they welcomed me. I, I thought I did good. And I remember going over to the bar right after the show. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, ah. And I met legendary DJ, uh, cool DJ Red Alert. Ah. And Red Alert was like this, you good, chill? I'm like, yeah. They, I said, I don't know if they was feeling me. He's like, this is the fever. What what did you want him to do? Hold you up on their shoulders? And he said, did they throw anything at you? Did they throw you off the stage? Did, oh, that means you rocked at the fever. Mm. He said, be happy, bro. I saw a lot of people not get the love that you just got. Now, Red Alert was with, uh, he was with KRS-One. KRS-One. That's what I thought. Yeah, KRS-1? but he, he started. He's Red Alert's part of the, the original Zulu Nation with Africa Bambada. Mm. He's there with part of that original pioneering crew. Wow. So KRS, KRS-One came and got him because just mm. like Mr. Magic had the show on BLS, Red Alert had the, had the show on KISS. So they had competing 
mm. competing shows. But Red Alert goes back into the early, earliest days of mm -hmm. hip hop before records. And, and so, where was your very first place you performed? Where your first time on stage? Where you like, oh my God. Can you remember the very first time oh, you picked no up doubt. the mic? No doubt. Was nervous was your, two, two, or you? Two sad? times. Okay. The very first time I picked up a mic was at Kent State University at the Rat Skeller. They call it the Rat. Mm -hmm. uh, my man, Vince Robinson. People might know Vince from around the city mm -hmm. uh, from doing shows. He's a photographer, he has a podcast, mm -hmm. uh, he's a poet, he's a jazz musician. But at Kent, when I was a freshman, he was DJ Lonnie V. Mm. And he was the man at Kent State University. Okay. And I always acknowledge Vince as the first cat to ever hand me a mic and mm -hmm. let me rock. Mm -hmm. It was so early in hip hop that when you ask for the mic, right. the DJ is like, for what? <laughs> like you gotta make an announcement. Right. Did you lose your keys? <laughs> is your wallet missing? You wanna right. announce a, a party? <laughs> exactly. Like that, You people weren't getting the mic and rapping back then, so mm -hmm. it was a new thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I wanna do this rap. And he was looking like, okay, don't make me regret this. And I got the mic, and I'm rocking, and I'm, you know, it's mm -hmm. old school. Wave right. your hands in right. the air, right. and, and all the ladies in right. the house. Like, ah, nah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> I said, scream, they screamed. Right. And uh, so I rocked that night, just solo. That was my first time ever rapping in in public at a party. Okay. My first time on stage was also at Kent State University when mm -hmm. we formed the group, the Bomb Squad. Okay. Uh, with myself. DJ Cochise, DJ Kit Finesse, MC Wayne G, rest in peace. And uh, we rocked as a group and killed it. And then, you know, we did a couple of shows. And then when Cochise won the Rapper's Delight, excuse me, the DJ Showdown, uh, the Club Style Showdown mm -hmm. on WDMT, he got to do a full show and he brought us with him as the MC. That was the night that we became Cleveland's first MCs, the mm -hmm. first rap group. So yeah, but we rocked at the Kiva. I called it Live at the Kiva, Alpha Live at the Fever. Okay. We rocked that. And from then on, I was known as part of the Bomb Squad. And then when Cochise got bigger, mm -hmm. we were Cochise in the Bomb Squad, even mm -hmm. though we kept trying to say it's just Mm -hmm. We're not like the pips and he glad his night. <laughs> right. He thought he was glad his night. The rest of the group wasn't all that happy right. about being called Cochise in the Bomb mm -hmm. Squad, but it was what it was because he was the man. He, right. was, he was Jordan and we were the Bulls. Right, I got but it. at least I was Scotty Pippen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I grew up in Glenville. So the group that was over there, um, as we grew up, we we was Johnny O and the Sorcerer. And the Sorcerer crew, sure. Yeah, so John, came, and John came a little after us. Yeah. Right. So we, we, you know, we were out before John, but John came right after us, and John came in. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Man, John. They had a whole. They. They, they had a mob. Out, they had a mob. They used to come on from almost like George Clinton. Man. You know, Casper C would oh, come out there dressed in whatever. That's my brother, uh, Mike McAdoo. Yeah, Casper Mike McAdoo. C. Yeah, right. Uh, they had beatboxers. Oh uh, yeah, they, Earl Holloman, rest in right, peace. Right. But yeah, no, John came in full fledged. When mm -hmm. I first heard Johnny O and the Sorcerer mm -hmm. Crew, right, I'm like, man, them cats gonna be a problem because it, was, it <laughs> right. was still competitive back right. then. That's what I'm saying. That's what made me say. Because like, I know when you was talking about your crew, I was like, wait a minute, man, I remember this, Johnny O and those guys. These cats gonna be a problem. <laughs> right. But uh, no. Oh, man, so you know, John, nobody around here right now goes back with me uh -huh. in this industry further than, than John, than Johnny O. So that's Excellent. my brother, Excellent. that brother in hip hop. I tell people, you know, raps 
50 years old and we got at least 44 mm -hmm. of them years. Right, right, you know, exactly. We, Easily. We got, we got Easily. 44. Easily. And Easily. DJs like John, uh -huh. who were DJing, probably DJs before hip-hop, just like Cochise mm -hmm. was a DJ before, before hip-hop. Hip right. So cats were already right. Right. DJing. Right. But if you were younger at that time and, and hip-hop mm -hmm. broke out, then the young cats, they gravitated towards that thing. And let's talk a little bit about the... Um, transition and how hip-hop has now changed a little bit. Uh, it changed as it relates to the DJ. Now, the, like we said, them flip now, people will hire the MC over the DJ. Uh, some MCs don't even bring a DJ anymore right. or even have a DJ. And most DJs have switched their roles of saying I'm a G DJ to now I'm an engineer or I'll get you your beats or mm -hmm. I'm a producer to help put it together. So it's not like the DJ has gone. It's, right. it's just everything's changed. So what's your thoughts on the new way of music and everything? Well, you know, I, I make it my business to when I talk to kids, when I talk to artists, when I teach, because I also teach hip-hop history. Mm -hmm. And uh, I taught over the summer at Case Western Reserve University, and I'll be teaching again as an adjunct uh, instructor. But I go back to the four basic elements of hip hop. Because we, you know, obviously the, the MC, the rapper, mm -hmm. gets all the love right now, because mm -hmm. that's, it's mm -hmm. commercial, you can commercialize that. Mm -hmm. So we've forgotten the DJ, but we've also forgot those other two components that made up the hip hop culture. And that's b-boying, which we would know as break dancing. Mm -hmm. And they then, took that and totally then that's out. aerosol art, which we would call graffiti. Right. But those were the four components, the four basic elements, the four mm -hmm. pillars of hip hop all together is what made hip hop a culture. So when you say hip hop, you're not just talking about rapping, you're talking about a culture that was created in the hood from nothing. Cats not having, you know, equipment, musical equipment, they done made a turntable an instrument. Mm -hmm. They've made a microphone into a megaphone to give information all over the world. So I always make sure that I, I big up those other two elements that we sometimes uh, forget. But to see the transformation. But uh, let's stay on that mm -hmm. point for a minute. Those, the B-boy um, element and the um, dance portion, I, I think the dance is probably still there to some degree. Right, no, it's there. It, ne it never left. But, but the B-boy part of it, that's the, the part. But the, the B-boy is has take has always been its own culture inside of That's what I'm saying. They serious about mm -hmm. you know the whole b-boy element, b-boy movement, mm -hmm. style of dress. dress they got the fat laces. They right. still have the style of dance, and and they're true to that. Though, and and I tell anybody, you want to know the real essence mm -hmm. of hip hop, you got to go check for the b-boys because they mm -hmm. still carrying mm -hmm. what hip hop was in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So they're not as it's seen, seen publicly, right, is what I'm saying. But uh, you know, those b boys are still out there, and you still see elements of b boying, mm -hmm. which we would call break dancing, because they would dance during the breaks of the records, okay. And they became break dancers or b boys who mm -hmm. would dance during the the breakdown mm -hmm. or the breakdown of the record, okay. But yeah, they're still out there. They're still doing their thing. We have an element in Cleveland. They got a heavy element in the Akron area, the ill-style rockers. Really? Still representing. I, okay. I was at a thing, an event they had, and it was really nice. Uh, and they invited down uh, Grand Wizard Theodore, mm -hmm. the inventor of the DJ Scratch. He's the first cat to ever scratch a record. Really? And 
had him down to give a party and do interviews. It was nice, man, to to be with all the B boys and B girls mm -hmm. and just you know get back into the one of the most basic elements of hip hop. So what about these new DJs that's doing these uh these big shows, man? That be having thousands and thousands of people out there, man, and they have these big screens with all this digital stuff. That's DJing at a whole nother level. Well, you know right? what? Hip-hop itself has, man, it, it has grown and increased. And I and I tell, because they ask me, you know, what do you think about how the industry have changed? And most of the time they're asking about rapping, the rap part. Mm -hmm. But I tell anybody, man, once... Once that genie was out the bottle, uh -huh. it's, you can't get you can't get the genie back in because mm -hmm. there's smoking stuff all over. But right. you can't get the smoking genie back in the bottle. Mm -hmm. And once you can make money off of it, once you can commercialize it, and you can make it corporate, uh, it takes on its own entity, which is good or bad. The whole essence of hip hop, it has grown in some circumstances to a worldwide phenomena. It mm -hmm. affects the way we talk, the way we dress, movies, or all of our music. Uh, but do that fit into hip-hop? But That's, a that's the culture. The, the culture always had its own style okay. and its own way of speaking. Mm -hmm. And from talking about what was fresh or what was dope, mm -hmm. you know, that has grown into a whole different language, how hip-hop dressed. Hip-hop cats started like you hear Karis One talking about how hip-hop created the Timberland boot mm -hmm. from just a work boot mm -hmm. to a fashion Right. industry boot correct uh different designer clothes you know once the, once the hip-hop hip-hop movement kind of took it over mm -hmm. it grew and where hip-hop grew popular culture also moved mm -hmm. so you know it is good and it's bad we just make sure that we need to know to remind the people where it where it came from and well, who what, the creators what you, what were. What you think is bad about it because it's it's been used to commercialize and sometimes weaponize part of the industry that say may be disrespectful to women to popularize violence in some cases mm -hmm. or to give negative messages. So you're not a fan of gangster rap? Well, it, it has its place. Right. And is there a such thing as gangster rap these well, days? Well, not these days, you know. Because all of it sound the same to me. Rap, rap is just, it's just different forms of Because you don't know, it used to be a difference. It right. was a sustained difference between gangster rap and certain, uh, certain other type of rap music and other. Now it kind of all fits in but, one thing. Right? But just, just like there was also a time when we were heavy into conscious rap. Right. Okay, that also changed. Mm -hmm. But did it really? Because like you say, it, it all sounds the same. What we hear all the time all sounds the same. Mm -hmm. There's still different pockets, niche of artists Got you. that carry on You're different right. types of that form of that style or mm -hmm. that art. Mm -hmm. So what we're hearing all the time is, you know, the whole trap drill, right. mumble, mm -hmm. whatever. But there's still cats out here being true to the to the basic units and elements, mm -hmm. but also have taken it on to up like what Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole doing, mm -hmm. you know, is a little different from what the amigos mm -hmm. are doing. Uh, this group, this new group, I think it's called Concert Culture, I think their name is. Mm -hmm. Um they are really, really good group. Um that they got coming out with some new stuff mm -hmm. that I've been listening to their stuff and they really good. And there is some new artists, like you say, it's in there, but it is like You gotta work a little bit to you find You gotta them. work to right. <laughs> well 
it, put it this way, I, 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 my group, my era of the hip hop that I kind of like now, and and some of the new stuff is good too. You know, I find myself listening to some stuff and be like, oh, okay, this is right. pretty good. You yeah, know, my, my children, my son put me on to this kid, uh, uh, Denzel Curry. Okay, and uh, so I started checking for him, and he's pretty nice. Okay, so I had to tell my son, okay, all right, y'all, y'all, y'all still got some cats that can get down. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm heavy into into listening to battle rap too. So okay. And then we have a nice battle rap culture here in Cleveland. Uh, this one kid, Fonz, mm-hmm. they call him the landlord. Really? He's he's doing big things on on the national platform. Really? So uh, yeah, so we you know we you can't leave Cleveland out of any part of hip hop. No, no, no. I I wouldn't think so. Now, are you doing anything with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all the stuff they got going? Nothing directly, mm-hmm. indirectly. I will be participating in some stuff like mm-hmm. Nerve DJs, Johnny O's. Uh, mm-hmm group that he started nerve djs will have their 20th anniversary mm-hmm. september 22nd okay. at the rock hall and as a person i was awarded i, I want to think it was called the uh legacy award mm-hmm. uh at the 18th uh nerve djs mm-hmm. event so you know I, i'm always tied to those brothers but i will be at the rock hall for that event i may perform we still trying to work that out mm-hmm. but there also will be debuting the first four segments of a hip hop documentary okay. uh, called Legends of the Land or Legends of 216. Mm-hmm. And the first, Johnny O, myself, and just the graffiti, those other two elements, the graffiti b-boy element. But it starts with uh, Cochise, Johnny O, myself, and the other two elements That's of hip hop. And that will be debuting, uh, the first four segments will be debuting at the Rock Hall that night. Oh, man, please let us know more about that, sure. man. We try to get the word out and let people know. Hey, man, I want to thank you for coming on our program, man. You're an interesting guy. You educated us on hip-hop. Our our forum is open to you because we're here to talk about culture, man. So, hey, man, if there's some information we need to know that you'd like to spread to our audience, hey, man, let me come back and give some information. We'd love for you to be able to do that. This uh, man, I is open it. for that, man, because um, I know you're still actively involved in that. And if there's some artists you want us to talk to or just information, man, please use us as a tool. All right. I appreciate that. So what we do with most guests that come on our program, we give you an opportunity to close us out, man. This camera belongs to you. You get to say whatever you like to say, man. Tell the people what's get you got going, where they can reach you at. We're going to leave all the links to uh, how you can reach him in his description, um, which you'll be able to click below. But he's going to also tell you how you can reach him and what he got going. So chill. It's on you, bro. Talk to me, Cleveland. This is your man, Kevin Chill Heard, MC Chill, the cause of all this commotion. One third of Cleveland's hip hop holy <laughs> trinity. Uh, check for me on Instagram at Kevin Chill Heard. I call that my Chillagram. Mm. Check for me on Facebook at Kevin MC Chill Heard. Uh, check for me on Twitter at House of Chill. Um, also, I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm taking two groups to Egypt in October mm. and December. So if you want to find out about that Egypt trip, Holler at me. If you want to go out in October, you better hurry up and talk to me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also, can, I'm cut you on that one. What's, yeah. what's the trip, man? Tell us a little bit more about the trip. Uh, we will be, I, I, I was just in Egypt in October, mm-hmm. and I will be going back uh, this October mm-hmm. and in December, taking two groups back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I study ancient Egypt 
uh, Egyptology. I mm -hmm. give tours mm -hmm. at the Cleveland Museum of Art, independent tours of the Egyptian gallery. Okay. So I'm heavy into ancient Egypt. Okay. And uh, so I, I try to spread that information and the history and the culture and the language. We do some we do some breakdown of the what we would know as hieroglyphics, which is actually known as Medunetcher or Medunetter. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, we, we do that. And I'm, okay. I'm I'm taking groups back to Egypt at the end of this year. So Excellent. people wanna wanna get down, they better and how long will they be there? Uh, it'll be eleven days in total, nine days actually on the ground in Egypt. Mm -hmm. We, you know, do the whole thing. You see the pyramids. You see the Great Sphinx. We we face to face with King Tut, literally, mm -hmm. and uh, Valley of the Kings, Valley of the Queens. We we sailing on the on the Nile River. Mm -hmm. You know, we see the oldest pyramid ever, the Step Pyramid at Saqqara. Mm -hmm. We go all the way down to Aswan, which is right before you cross over into Sudan, mm -hmm. which people refer to as Nubia, mm -hmm. and uh, it is an amazing, amazing trip an amazing journey an amazing tour uh we learned how they make uh papyrus which is where paper gets its name from mm. man it's so much i could talk about ancient egypt mm. right on a whole nother all right show. well just tell them how they can reach you to get but, there uh you can email me and we'll leave my email information uh i can be chill at gmail.com and uh if you wanna if you wanna go on this trip and like i said if you want to go in october we only we only have a few spots left uh, but also there is a December trip. Or you can catch me when I do one of my independent tours at the museum. Also, guys, I've written a movie, a film script, uh, based on a book by my former co-worker, Rhonda Crowder, wrote a book called Riddles of Murder Mystery. I wrote the screenplay to it, and we're now in process of doing, doing our due diligence to have it made as a film. Also, I am the president, currently the president of the Greater Cleveland Association of Black Journalists. I'm at the end of my four year term, uh, but during my term, I brought, I have the national NABJ, National Black Association of Journalists coming to Cleveland in 2025. Stay tuned for that. It's gonna be 20,000 black journalists all in Cleveland, Ohio from every sportscaster, newscaster, newspaper, all over the place. A lot of things are going on. I'm gonna have to do a chill announcement to update all the <laughs> things that I have going on. So just keep up with me, check on me, and uh, I'll make sure I get everybody all the information that's happening. So again, you'll be able to get all of his links in the description below, and you'll be able to see what um, Chill has got going. And if you wanna go on that trip, Make sure you do it soon if you're going in October because tickets are going fast. And if you want to go in December, you need to do that quickly as well. So uh, if you need any questions, hit the links below and you'll be able to get connected. Chill, thanks again for coming on our show and we'll see you guys next week. This is Strategic Moves with Ken Dow.